Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today on Housing Wire Daily, I'm joined by Managing Editor James Kleiman to talk about mortgage lenders, including Chase, Loan Depot, Better, Rocket, FGMC, Sprout, and more, and how they're dealing with low volumes. We also talk about some resources for mortgage professionals who have been laid off. James, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And um, sadly, I wish we had a little bit of a different topic today. The last couple of times we've talked have been about the struggles that the mortgage industry is having, but it's just the the fact of where we are in this cycle, right? Volume is way, way down. So you're seeing, you know, people cut jobs, uh, you know, trim in other ways. So so let's start at the top and say, J.P. Morgan Chase, that they're kind of the the first out with earnings for the second quarter. What do we see? Well, we, we see a pretty massive decrease in origination. Certainly, when you look at year over year, you know I, I believe they're they're down around. I don't I don't have it in front of me right now, Sarah, but but they're down around fifty percent from where they were at this time last year. And if you've been following, it's no surprise. You know, Jamie Dimon, the head of the bank, has talked about how volatile an environment it is and how difficult it is in in, um, in this space. And so. You know, when interest rates are as high as they are and they move as quickly as they do, it's going to really sap uh, the demand side, but it also has challenges for the supply side because if you're selling a property, you know, often you don't want to buy in that same environment. So it's, um, it's, it's certainly taking a toll on originators and lenders like JP Morgan Chase. And, um, I, I would also argue that a company like JP Morgan Chase is a lot better insulated. Than some of their competitors. If mortgage isn't, you know, a business that they really want to um, take big losses in, they don't have to. They can make money in so many other ways. They have so many possible, uh, you know, segments in which they can produce a tremendous amount of revenue. And um, and if you're a non-bank mortgage originator, you can't necessarily say the same. You know, you don't have an investment business. You don't have, uh, you know, other other ways to make a lot of money. So if if we're looking at huge uh, decreases at J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, I think we're probably going to see a lot of similar issues at other lenders as uh, as the earnings season kicks off, and the circumstances for them are going to be a lot more dire in some cases. Nobody thinks J.P. Morgan Chase is going to go out of business or is going to blow up their mortgage division because they had a few bad quarters. But that's because they're they're a different animal. Yeah, they're so giant. Um, you know, looking at the story now, originations decreased forty five percent in comparison with the second quarter of twenty twenty one, which was a huge quarter. But again, you, you know, people people staff up for that. People are operating with that volume. That's the only way you can do it on that end. So there's definitely going to be a decline. But you know, their home lending net revenue reached a billion in the second quarter. That's down from one point three billion in the same quarter in twenty twenty one. And 1.2 billion in the previous quarter of 2022, but that's still a lot. Yeah, well, when you look at overall home lending uh, at J.P. Morgan Chase, it looks like they originated about 28 billion in first liens in the second quarter. That's a 7.6 percent sequential decline. And uh, and if you compare that to the same quarter last year, so Q2 2021, that's about a 59 percent uh, drop. So even bigger when you take you know other loan products in, in that sphere into account. 
And so, you know, it's, it's, it's not totally surprising. Um, but for some lenders, it also means that mortgage servicing rights are a little bit more valuable. And, uh, and a lot of them are leaning on their MSR business to free up cash and to keep operations rolling. JP Morgan Chase is a little bit different than most, of course. But, uh, you know, I, I think we're seeing a lot of the value right now in having a strong MSR uh, you know, component to a business. And um, so many of those lenders are going to be very, very, very thankful that they have that uh, to stay afloat. Absolutely. And that diversification is is just key. You know, this is cyclical. Everybody knows that. So it's like, okay, we're, you know, when one part of the business goes down, the, the other part of the business can come up if people are staying in their houses and, you know, keeping their, you know, not refining out and you've got that, then then your servicing business can can be part of that. But But to your point, like that's even they said that this was a, they gained more on that less than that than they thought they were going to. So it didn't end up being a, a great business for them, at least in the second quarter, or at least expectations for that. But it might be a really great business for some other people. Sure. Absolutely. And there's another company out there that I think we should talk about, and that is the <laughs> off-maligned uh, Better.com. And, ah, okay. Uh, and so, so Better had come out this morning. Well, I should say their SPAC partner, Aurora Acquisitions Corporation, uh, came out with a revised S4, which is a, a document that filed with the Security and Exchanges Commission. And it had a few pretty stunning revelations in there. And so from the top, let's take this, a $221.4 million loss in the first quarter. Wow. Huge loss. They have now been unprofitable for several quarters now. And, and better, as, as I think most of our listeners know by now, has undergone massive changes and uh, and they've done so very publicly and they've uh, certainly courted a lot of controversy in the way that they have made some of those operational changes. They say that they are very focused on the opportunities in, in purchase. They uh, you know, believe that they are a disruptor. They have a fully digital mortgage product. Everyone knows that tech and mortgage is uh, a little bit behind that of other industries and, and better does, you know, quite honestly, have some good technology uh, that they can offer and it's very consumer friendly. Um, so they're they're going to be leaning heavily on this. The question is, can they go public? Uh, and uh, and and will the controversies that they've already been embroiled in really come to bite them? And so uh, another major point that that you look through in the S four is a disclosure that uh, that better is the subject of an inquiry by the SEC's enforcement division to determine if violations of federal security laws have occurred. And, um, and and this was sparked by a lawsuit that was filed by a former top executive at Better who, who basically made those claims saying that there were security uh, law violations and that the company made you know, misleading statements. And um, it's it's been <laughs> uh, it's been another ugly mark on a company that I, I think in a lot of ways shows so much promise, but seemed to not be able to to get out of its own way. And um, and so. How many more quarters can better eat two hundred million dollar losses uh, remains to be seen. And, and you know, if they are going to go public, which it sure does look like may still yet occur. I mean, what is that valuation going to look like? They, they talked about a valuation and what, like, what was it, the seven billion dollar range or something, right? It was it was like a crazy, 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 crazy number, even for an originator that is you know like a top twenty 
uh, in the land and does have a digital tech stack. Uh, but just, <laughs> I, I don't see any scenario in which better is, is valued, you know, at, at anything close to $7 billion. So it's, um, it's going to be a fun few days. And, uh, you know, we're, we're certainly going to be following that story as well. You really have to wonder what is the investor appetite for another mortgage company at this point? Like, it feels like the ones that got in on in 2021, especially like that was almost the even at that time, we were talking about it. A lot, lot, uh, people a lot smarter than us were talking about the fact that, like, you know, aren't we at the top? And, and, uh, yeah, you can go public, but like, it, you know, it's a cyclical business. This is a sort of a once in a lifetime or generation, uh, kind of convergence of, of factors to have this kind of volume. So it feels like even then it was, there were a lot of questions. Now you have to wonder what is the investor appetite for a mortgage, any mortgage company to go, to go public, but especially one that, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of headline bad news here. Even if, you know, even if they're cleared from the SEC investigation, even if whatever, like there's just a lot of questions. So it, it'll be something we're definitely watching. Yeah. It's, it's a really strange one. And, and okay. So let's, let's take a look at some of the, the non-bank mortgage lenders that did go public last year. And if you look at where their stocks are trading, I mean, Loan Depot, I think, I think they're in the $1 range at this point, right? I mean, they have been, uh, let, let's see right now, they're at $1.65 right now. You look at Rocket Companies, which, you know, everybody knows Rocket is the biggest of the lenders out there by a wide margin too, right? And, and that's even, um, you know, a company that only has, what, a little under 10% market share, right? They're trading at $8.50. And you know they're they're down from, geez, when when they had that like meme stock nonsense, they were trading, you know, quadruple that, more than that, right? Like they were, you know, a, a totally different business. And so Rocket right now has a market cap of about seventeen billion dollars, and Rocket is bigger than Better.com by a factor of like a gazillion. I'm rounding here, right? But, <laughs> that, that's our that's our official estimate. That's my official estimate. That's right. And, and it's by all accounts a pretty well run business, you know, with, with a lot of very experienced people who've been there for a long time at the helm, who've been through all the downturns and, and have done, you know, reasonably well in, in a lot of different environments. And if they're valued, you know, less than half they were when they went public in summer of 2020. I mean, what, what is, what is the investor outlook for a better.com, which I believe in 2021 they were doing what, like 80% refis, right? It was it was something like that. It was a really really high number. I mean, obviously, Rocket is is known for refis as well, um, but it's just a much much bigger, much more robust business. And um, I I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm, I'm sure uh, you know Vishal Garg is going to make his money. He'll be okay. I'm not going to cry for him or or his uh, his accountants. Um, but you have to wonder about also some of the due diligence, like their main backer is SoftBank and SoftBank has been the money behind WeWork and there was so little due diligence that there are, you know, films that you can watch on Hulu, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of break down the, the litany of problems that they ran into. And so it, it's, um, it's, it's certainly, uh, I think going to come out pretty pretty quickly that this is not a business that investors are going to be excited about. 
We will be watching that. I, I, that was my question. You know, you brought up the refinance, like has better even shown. And, and this is the definitely a, a challenge for many of the mortgage lenders right now. It's like, but can you, can you reach the consumer? Can you get, you know, there, there, that shrink, it's a shrinking pie, right? There's only so many homes to buy and, and, you know, it's not like refi right now. So of the purchase market, how are you competing against the other people in the purchase market who may have, you know, huge name recognition or they've got the physical branches, you know, they're Chase or Wells Fargo or they've got, you know, they've all got something. So what is it that better has? And what better had was the te- and has is technology. And, you know, they, they pay people a little bit different. They've got a different structure of how that goes, but it's, it hasn't been clear. They haven't been able to demonstrate at least, you know, in the last year or so, like it, it's all been, it's been very much refined. And I think they, like many other people are still, you know, have yet to prove that like, Hey, we can, we can win in a purchase market. We're the ones to bet on in a purchase market. Yeah. And, and they've, they've actually made very significant investments in trying to roll out a compelling purchase focused experience. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, they basically wanted to have their own in-house real estate agents. They wanted to to create a bridge and have, you know, a, a company that is in some ways a little bit more Redfin-like, right? You know, like they, they have kind of their own salaried staff members who can get a little bit of a percentage as a bonus here and there. But for the most part, you know, they work for the company and they're not 1099s who, who are eating what they kill, right? And so, so that was one of the, the, the options that they had kind of floated as here's how we overcome this problem that we acknowledge we have. And they've also, you know, certainly made efforts to try to get their uh, you know, business closer to real estate agents. But it's that, that kind of thing takes time. It takes a lot of years. Ask any LO who's been doing this job for for more than a fortnight and and they'll tell you like you know people don't just trust you because you have a loan product and you can close it in 10 days or whatever or you know you, you give the borrower a good experience because it's digital like you gotta you gotta do it for a long time and then people put faith in you and your product and they're still very much the new kid on the block they haven't proven that they can do it and there's been so much volatility in their business if I were a real estate agent, I would be thinking, are they even going to be here? Or, you know, can, can I be assured that, that this part of the operation is going to be around, you know, in, in even two weeks? Just it's, it's hard to say that that's a guarantee. And um, it's not a favorable interest rate environment. And, you know, the secondary market conditions for a company like Better are pretty brutal as well. So it's, it's just all around really difficult. These are what we would call headwinds, right? I mean, headwinds just for for staying, you know, open and profitable and in this environment, but much less going going public. So we'll definitely be looking at that. I mean, that reminds me. I don't think you and I have have really been able to do a deep dive or you know whatever into Sprout and FGMC, which are two two companies that you know are not around anymore, and that you know people got left high and dry on. Um, at different various stages of of the uh, funding process, so I mean that I think it's a real concern that people have looking at it and going, you know, in some some of these companies we know they're public, they're publicly traded. We can look at their, you know, what's going on on some of these companies. There's no idea. We don't have any idea what the balance sheet really is on both of those. I think that that was a surprise to people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and um, when you look at some in the non-QM sector, I mean, there are definitely some bigger players. And, and I think there, there had been this sense that 
because so many of them have been backed by these massive asset management firms or, you know, had a lot of money behind them that they would be safe, that they would be okay. But if the investment group says, you know what, this isn't a pool that we want to be swimming in. And uh, they can just as easily say, we're just going to close up in, in the middle of the night, shut it down. And we're going to focus on the other, you know, 7,453 ways that we do make money. And, and we're just not going to mess with, you know, bottom QM mortgage markets. So it's, it's a tough reality. And then there are others that just don't have that kind of capital. And so, you know, they're, they're kind of always on the edge, right? You know, a sprout didn't have, um, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in, in, uh, in, in money that, that they could rely on if, if they had trouble selling their loans at par or, or, uh, you know, managing their, their expenses appropriately. And so, <laughs> you know, if, if the funding runs out and you can't sell loans, you have to hold them and you run out of money, you run out of money and you have to close up operations. And, and the way it went down at Sprout is really ugly for the people who work there. I mean, they've received very few answers to date, even, even days after the shutdown. I know people who worked there, worked there, I should say, and had their mortgages in the pipeline to get funded at the very company they worked at. Oh, their personal, a mortgage on their personal house. Yeah. And it just never, you know, not getting funded. It's just, it is not happening. And so not only do they lose a job, um, but they would have to try to move that loan to another company, but get, they just lost their job. So there's a good chance that that deal entirely falls apart, right? Oh, that's so rough. Right. So it's, it's, it's a triple whammy. And then to uh, also go through just the fact that you don't have any answers is so not only frustrating, but infuriating. You know, I, I would be so upset if something like this happened to me. And, um, you know, there, there, there are a lot of people who are upset and they've taken to Facebook groups and, uh, you know, they, they call reporters and they, they complain to anyone else in the industry who will listen uh, about, you know, the, the injustice that occurred. And, and I think, you know, rightfully so, uh, the, it was handled very poorly. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what happens. I, I hope that a lot of them are able to find new positions quickly, but we, we know that there are thousands of people who work in the industry that are looking for jobs right now. And there is such a small number of jobs that they'll be able to fill. Uh, you know, the industry by some measures is going to tr- contract by 50% this year. You know, if you look at some of the early reporting on some of these lenders uh, in the second quarter, we're literally talking about origination volume dropping 50%. And they're not going to keep, you know, processors or underwriters, in some cases, LOs, who aren't doing a lot of work. It, it's not it's not a good fiscal sense for them. It's it's a really hard reality. And and so some people that are experienced and have been in the industry and have contacts and, and who who can work a few different jobs have a better shot at being able to find something. And and maybe it means that they, you know, find a, a similar job at a different industry. You know, maybe if you're a, an account executive at a at a wholesale lender, maybe you work as some sort of like customer success manager you know, it's something related, but um, not all of these workers are going to find their way back to mortgage, not this cycle. 
you know, you've been uh, talking to a ton of people and, and finding out, okay, well, who, who is hiring? And you said, you know, some of the people who are hiring, it's not, it's not necessarily the same jobs that got cut, right? It's more salespeople. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really difficult because the people who are so often the first who are laid off are in operations and there just aren't a lot of operations jobs because operations really require uh, volume. Sales do too, of course, but um, there are still a lot of lenders and in particular mortgage broker shops as well that are hiring LOs and account executives and positions like that. Even traditional banks, you know, I saw Citi and US Bank, our PNC are among those that are hiring LOs and, and account executives in, in some of these areas. But um, the vast majority of the positions that I see that are posted on LinkedIn or Indeed or whatever are almost all LOs. And so among those that are hiring LOs, we have American Financial Network, we have eMortgage Capital, West Banco Bank, which is kind of based in the mid-Atlantic, PNC Bank, US Bank, Equity Prime Mortgage, they're looking for account executives in wholesale, non-delegated, delegated. Uh, Model Mortgage, which is basically like a brokerage franchise of Remax, the real estate brokerage. They're hiring account executives. Cross-country mortgage is looking for LOs in the New York City region. Seacoast Bank is hiring LOs in Florida. Carrington Mortgage Services is hiring LOs. Navy Federal, they're hiring LOs in Florida. Uh, you know, you, you go up and down the list and, um, and there are jobs available, um, but I would say at least 80% of them our sales jobs. Which, I mean, many people in our industry, you know, that that's there's a pretty strong overlap of sales and what they do, but um, it's, it's good to know. And I, I know you've talked to a lot of individuals and, you know, been impacted by the fact that they've been impacted, you know, because you're talking to these people who have tons of experience, seems like great people, had, you know, great reviews, did pretty amazing things at these different companies, whether they were mentoring people or putting into place all these programs. Some of them are are award winners, which is a very competitive thing. And we give those to people who are making a real difference and have like, here's the stats that I've done. You know, here, here's how I've grown a business. Here's how I've done all these things. And, and there's some of the same people who are looking for jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not just an ego blow, but it very quickly becomes kind of a spiral for some people, you know, when you just look at the bad news and you internalize it and you doubt yourself and you think maybe I just can't hack it in this, or maybe my clock has run out and I need to look at a totally different industry. And, and so there are people whose mental health suffers and, and whose confidence is really shot, even though, you know, they've done this for 15, 20 years, 30 years in some cases, I've spoken to a lot of people and, um, and they love the industry. They love the work itself, um, but it's not an industry that that equally loves them back, and um, and so the vast majority of the folks that I spoke to said, you know, they're they're willing to look at other options if mortgage simply craters over the next year. I mean, they you, you just not a lot of people have enough in savings uh, to go six months a year without work, you know, and unemployment really ranges from state to state. In Massachusetts, you might get $900 a month or something like that as, as a max. But you go out to say Mississippi and, and we're talking like a fraction of that, right? I'm here in New York. 
and it's a, an extremely expensive place to live. And the max weekly unemployment check is only $504. Most people in New York can't live on that. And so, you know, it means that the clock, it starts and, and you got to find something. And, um, and so, yeah, the, there are, there are some jobs out there. And, and I also want to put out a little uh, resource message here. I've been chatting with a guy. His name is Pramod, and he's the founder of OnlyMortgageJobs.com. And what he does is he basically scrapes all the job boards and puts in the keywords. And, and you know, really, it's, it's a job board only for the mortgage industry, as, as it should be, right? Like, if, if I went to the website, OnlyMortgageJobs.com, and it's like, wait a second, I'm stocking groceries at a at a, a Lytle, like what? What is this? I, I don't want that. Uh, I would be pissed. But no, this is only mortgage jobs, and uh, and and so he's populating that. And uh, you know, I, I would recommend that you know anyone who is looking out there give it a look, and uh, and hopefully they they can get matched and, and they can get into an industry that you know needs innovation, needs smart people, needs professionals who have uh, who have been in different environments and who can respond to different market conditions and uh you know not everyone will be able uh to do it but but there are so many talented people out there who have a lot of experience that would benefit a lot of companies and uh and and one of the sad things is just because they're so inundated with applications they put all of these filters on them you know and and a human being only reads a few of them you know like like the vast majority of the applications that you might as well be shooting it up in a space. And, uh, and so it's, it's hard because you, you need to learn different skills. You're, you're trying to gain a search engine now, you know, like who treat, you know, who trains you how to do that in college? So. <laughs> no one. I'm so glad that we had a resource resource to share with people. Cause I was going to ask you, okay, you've named all these jobs. Well, how, how can people find that? It's hard when you're listening. We know a lot of people listen in the car on their, on their commute. They're listening while they're working out. This is how they get their daily news and an audio format. So really glad we could point them to a place where they can go look. And then the very, the very last thing we didn't get to talk about loan Depot, which was one of our big stories this week. Um, so, so the last company we want to talk about, which fits in with our theme of this, unfortunately of this episode, which is really, you know, uh, mortgage lenders on hard times. So, you know, quickly tell me about Loan Depot. So Loan Depot is, you know, they were kind of one of the darlings of the SPAC uh, IPO movement in the mortgage industry in 2020 and 2021. And uh, they, they did go public. They were able to raise some money. They were able to gain a lot of access to investments, which has been a big help to them since they had about a billion dollars in cash that they've been sitting on. They are one of the biggest originators in America, but they also, you know, a lot of their business is out of a call center. And in a market like this, a very purchase heavy market, it's difficult to generate enough business to keep those operations, you know, uh, really viable. And so Loan Depot has been struggling. They've been losing a lot of money in recent quarters. And they recently did a bit of a leadership shuffle in which Anthony Shea, the founder and CEO of the company, stepped into uh, kind of an executive chairman type role, more of a larger strategic kind of position. And they installed Frank Martel, who I think people who've been in the business for a long time know very well, ran CoreLogic for years and uh, is, is, you know, a respected 
guy in the industry. And, and from what I understand, Frank Martel was brought in to figure out how to stop the bleed and how to get Home Depot in a position where it can be profitable and where it can withstand, you know, a pretty nasty market cycle. And so he made his first big move uh, last week and they are going to be eliminating 5,000 jobs um, by the end of 2022. They've already cut a few thousand. And uh, they were last I saw, they were at a little over 11,000 jobs at the end of 2021. And they want to be in the kind of like mid 6,000 range in 2022. So that's a massive, massive number. And, and it's basically commensurate with the drop in origination volume. You know, they're looking at like about a 50% drop in, in originations. And so um, we're going to be seeing that. I, I think if, if we're not seeing it already at a lot of lenders, um, that's, that's going to be kind of the template. If your volume is dropping, 35%, you're probably going to be reducing your staff by about that number too, right? It's pretty simple math. You don't have to be a mathlete to know if you don't have business, you know, but your expenses remain the same uh, at, at a certain point. It's just not a tenable business strategy. And their investors won't tolerate it. You know, their investors are already looking at a stock that is trading in the $1 range. Uh, so it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's something that they needed to address and they've done so pretty quickly. This is this is really the added pressure that those companies are under, right? I mean, you you go public, you do get that money, but wow, do you get that stress? You know, stress upon stress because, you know, to your point, they are not going to tolerate it. And so, you know, th- this is a different environment for those mortgage companies that you know just went public in the last two years. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, Sarah, but if uh, I, I would trade the stress of it for a billion dollars. <laughs> would you though? I would, I would make that trade off. Yeah. yeah I so. Also, I just have to uh, give a shout out to the fact that you use the word mathlete. That that's just a blast <laughs> from my past, and it makes me happy. I was not a mathlete. Um, I, I was I was better at other things, but that word just you know, thank you, thanks for using that. Yeah, I was more of a debate leet in uh, in high school. <laughs> Uh, that, that one doesn't quite translate. So, <laughs> Well, thanks so much for wrapping up everything that's going on. Really appreciate you and, and the ongoing conversation we're having and that your newsroom is really looking at like, you know, we're going to be looking at earnings. And I love that, you know, the newsroom really digs in. It, it might be on page six or 10 or 20 of those earnings. And, and you guys are really finding things and um, letting our audience know what's going on. Thanks very much, sir. Does housing market uncertainty have you guessing what's around the corner? This is one reason we created HousingWire Annual, what we're calling the Davos of housing. What does that mean? It's where professionals from across the housing ecosystem come together for great content, but also the opportunity to share strategies, drive business, and discover new technologies with peers, innovators, and power players. Join us October 3rd through 5th at the Fairmont Princess in Scottsdale, Arizona. Head to housingwireannual.com to secure your spot now. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.